Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Let me just say really quick that uh, Pastor Joel and Amy Stockstill are some of our very dearest friends. And more than that, you know, we got to, started to get to know and be inspired by by Pastor Joel about a year before they got married yeah. uh, it, when he was leading America's biggest youth ministry. And we were in youth ministry at the time. And we were sitting right after we had just got married thinking, we need to go somewhere where we can get like inspired. So we heard about Pastor Joel. So we went. Uh, he was like, we're going to go. And I was like, okay. I didn't know we had to drive like 20 hours. I don't know, but we drove, and I was like, where is this place? <laughs> Baton what? But, right, it was in Baton Rouge, right? And uh, since then, we've been very encouraged and inspired uh, by Pastor Joel. Not long after that, he married Miss Amy, and they have been an inspiration to us for years. Uh, since then, that was like 2009 mm-hmm. or 10 when, that first, uh, when we went to that first conference. I think it was 2009. And then... Fast forward, we moved to the Atlanta area to plant this church, and long story short, uh, Pastor Joel and I just began to get to know each other more personally, and I would just want to say this. Uh, Pastor Joel is my pastor, and he's only about a year and a half older than I, but he's truly been a spiritual father in my life, and today, you're going to receive a spiritual father-type impartation as a church, okay? Uh, he, he, he is my, uh, he's my direct report, <laughs> or I'm his direct report, however you say that, right? And uh, I know that today the words that are going to come forth from the Word of God are going to be something that are going to propel Encounter Church into the next season of multiplication, amen? Yes. All right. Well, we weren't going to do this today, but we're going to do this because... Pastor Joel said he woke up this morning, stirred in his spirit to release an anointing for prosperity over Encounter Church. Who wants to receive an anointing for prosperity? So, let's welcome Pastor Joel Stockstill to the stage, and he's going to teach us the word. Amen, amen. Thank you guys so much. Um, this table was made for a midget, I think. <laughs> I'm going to have to get on my knees to. <laughs> it's so good to see all of you today and to be with you uh, here in Atlanta. And my wife, Amy, and I are living in South Florida now where there's nothing but palm trees. And so. Being here around all the trees makes us feel kind of like at home because we're from Louisiana and it's similar with the big trees. And uh, but it is it is this is a beautiful area, man. And we love coming up to see you guys. We weren't able to come last year because of all the pandemic stuff going on. But it is good to be back at Encounter Church. And you guys are in a new building. How awesome is this building? Man, I am so excited. In fact, last time I was here, uh, Pastor Hunter had mentioned to me that there was a possibility of something, and we were just talking about it, and then he started sending me pictures, and, uh, and now here we are in the finished product, and just a beautiful building. Yesterday, we were here for the leadership retreat and got to get the grand tour and see everything, and Uh, Just thankful for what God is doing and thankful that each of you are a part of what God is doing here at Encounter. And the part that that I get to play is a little bit different. I'm not here with you, but I get to be with your pastor every Thursday. We get to hang out via, well, we use FaceTime, not Zoom, FaceTime. And uh, several of us get together for an hour every Thursday and fellowship and talk and just see what God is saying and doing. And it is just a a privilege uh, to do that and to serve in that capacity. Uh, I want to share with you for a minute before we get to the message. uh, I guess somebody would call this an offering message, whatever. Uh, How many of you know that you either believe in prosperity or poverty? And I don't believe in a poverty gospel. 
You know, some people say, I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. Well, it's like, well, what gospel do you believe in? And uh, I, I choose to believe that, that God blesses his children. And it's not all about running around trying to get a new Maserati or a mansion or any of that. We're just, we want to be blessed so we can be a blessing. And did you know you can't be a blessing if you're not blessed? And I, I, know, I know a lot of times religion comes in and says we got to stay poor and humble and all that. But when we all stay broke, no one receives the gospel. And so how many of you know it takes money to get the gospel out there? And yes, it takes obedient hearts and people have to preach. But without money, it does not happen. And I'm just so excited about, Felicia, what you're doing and the group that you're connecting with. In fact, one of my good friends, uh, Bernie Moore, you may know him. He's a, a part of what God's doing in that group. And he does crusades. And, and his crusades cost money. And, and it takes about a dollar to win a soul somewhere around the world. And so if we had a million dollars, we could win a million souls. And how many of you know God is pleased when we win a million souls? But we don't win the million souls if we don't have the million dollars. So we serve a prosperity God. He's more than enough. And so I want to read a scripture to you this morning and just exhort you a little bit from Mark chapter 4. And I'm going to read verse 30, 31, and 32 out of the ESV translation. And this is Jesus speaking, okay? So this is the head of the church right here. With what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Somebody say seed. seed. Okay, you got to understand we're talking about seed right now. Verse 32, it's the smallest on the earth. Verse 32, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Now, let me, let me just teach you for just a moment on something. Maybe you have not understood, and I'm going to make it simple for you. The way that the kingdom of God works is different than the way the world works. There's a system in the world, it's called the Babylonian system. And Babylon is always, throughout the Bible, it is always the counterfeit to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is always the kingdom, Babylon is always the world. And in fact, the, the term Babel or Babylon is mentioned a thousand times in the Bible because it is the counterfeit to Jerusalem. And so there's a lot of dynamics there, and I won't go all into that, but there is a system of the world that functions completely different than the system of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, it, it functions in what would be known to people who have been around the church for a long time in tithes and offerings. But I, I want to I give that a little bit more clarity because the, the tithe is the way that we bring back what we've been given to God. It's where we say, Lord, it all belongs to you anyway. But whenever you bring that 10% to God, it releases the blessing over your life. But this is where a lot of people miss it. Let's say you make $50,000 a year and your tithe on that is $5,000 a year. But when you give $5,001, that, that first dollar above the tithe is now called seed. It's called seed. Now, the, a lot of people don't understand this in the church because the devil has done his best to stop God's people from being blessed. And he's done it by saying things like, all them preachers want is your money and all this kind of, and it has nothing to do with that. If Hunter and Liz were after money, the last thing they would have done is moved to Kennesaw and started a church. Okay, so let's, let's get rid of that. And let's make this about God getting something to you instead of some, instead of the devil's made it about somebody getting something from you, but it's really about God getting something to you. So the tithe is what rebukes the devourer. It, it establishes God's lordship in your life. 
And it says, God, I'm looking to you because I believe that the 90% in your hands is better than the 100% in mine. And there's all kind of stuff we could talk about that we're not going to teach about. But once we get to that 10% threshold, we move into what we called seed. Now, you might have heard that before. So say, sow a seed. Well, let me just let you in on a little something. Until you have the tithe in the storehouse, you haven't given seed. It, it's just part of your tithe. It just qualifies. Until 10% is in God's hand, you haven't sown any seed. So in other words, I'll give you an illustration. The tithe is like buying a field. You got to buy the field. Once you have the field, then you can plant a crop. But if you don't have the field, you can't plant a crop. You can't just go out in somebody's yard and start planting seed and hope for a return. No, that's not your field. But when the tithe is in the storehouse, now you begin to plant your seed. Does that make sense? Okay. So, so once the tithe is in the storehouse, now we can begin to plant seed. Now, seed is the thing you got to really understand because what seed does, according to this verse right here, and this, this, this is what I want you to get from this. It says that the seed, verse 32, yet when it is sown, it grows. Somebody say it grows and it becomes. So it grows and it what? It grows and it becomes. Seed grows and it becomes. And it doesn't become something different than what was sown. If you sow an apple seed, you don't get an olive branch. It grows and it becomes whatever it was that was sown. And so the body of Christ is, is missing this because the, the devil doesn't want God's people to be blessed. He doesn't want you to be blessed. He don't, he don't care if everybody out there living like the devil is, they're not blessed, but if they're prosperous, because they're not going to give anything towards the great commission. But you as God's people, you're the ones who are going to finance the great commission. And so he doesn't want you blessed. And, and therefore, he doesn't want you to understand that the tithe is 10%. And then everything above that is seed. And seed doesn't stay the way it is. Seed grows and becomes. It, be, it grows and it becomes. It becomes much more than it was when you sowed it. Now, this is, this is something you got to get down in your spirit. And that's why I ask Pastor Hunter, can I just talk about this for a little bit today? Because the devil will come to you and say, first of all, if you're tithing, he'll say, see, you've been tithing and nothing's happening. Yeah, because you have the field, but you hadn't sown anything in the field. And then he'll come to his and say, well, I've been giving. Yeah, but you've just been giving. You thought you were giving and you hear, well, I'm going to press down, shaking together and running over. It's coming back 30, 60 and 100 fold. And then it's crickets. <laughs> Nothing. Why? Because until the tithe is there, the seed can't begin to work. And you may be saying, man, this, this is a lot to take in. Because we've been so trained in the ways of the world, the economy of the world. And, and pretty much you want to sum up the way what the world teaches is get what you can and can what you get. Just get it all, keep it all, try to, try to hold on to as much of it as you can so that one day you might can retire. But God says, no, we're going to tithe and then we're going to sow. So what happens is, Every month, whatever it is that you make, whatever your salary or your income is, 10% of that you set aside as holy to God. And that's like, that's God's. In fact, it's not the last 10%, it's the first 10%. Because we give God the best. We put the first. I, I have mine on automatic withdrawal. I don't even get a chance to think about it. It just, as soon as it, it just goes, it goes, and there it is. But... I don't go, okay, well, I'm done. I go, now, now that I've tithed, I'm qualified to sow seed. Because there's a lot of people who are sowing seed, but they're not qualified to sow seed because all it is is just part of their tithe. 
But once you get the tithe in place, then you begin to sow seed. And that's when the seed begins to multiply. 30, some 60, and some even 100-fold. Now, that's where we have a total departure from the world's, because in the world, if you, anybody who knows anything about investments knows, if you get 6% on your money, you're doing pretty good. 8%, you're doing really good. You get 10% on your money, you, you're doing, a, but, but God says, uh, uh, how about, how about we're going to do, we're going to do this completely different. How about 3,000% on your money? How about 6,000%? How about 10,000% return? This is the economy that God has set up in his kingdom. And if you say today, you may be here and you say, I, I do not understand that. Well, this is good because now you know where you need to grow in order to release the blessing of God. Or maybe you've got enough context as somebody who's been around the church, but you just hadn't really understood it that way where you understood how to work things in God's economy because God wants to bless you. But here's the thing about God. God does things the way God does things. He doesn't change things for you just because you don't understand or you don't like it or you decided that there, there should be a different way. He doesn't change. You go out, you have to plow a field, you have to plant a field, you have to water a field, you have to harvest a field. That's the way we get the food that we eat. Now, I know we don't all have to do that anymore like they did for thousands of years, thank God. But that's still the way that it happens. And that's what I'm giving you today is kingdom economy, kingdom blessing, how to release the blessing of God over your life. And this is a house that teaches on that. There's people here who can help you understand that. And if you say, well, I just, I don't have the money for all that. You really need to understand these principles because this will get you out of debt. This will get you, this will put you in a position where you can not only pay your bills, but you can give to what God is doing around the world. And once, when you're a tither, now you're qualified to be a sower. If you're not a tither, you're not qualified to be a sower. You're just making partial payments on your tithe. And that's a, that's a very easy way to understand the economy of God and how God operates in the kingdom. So I just, I wanted to just release that today because I think, I said some things that may be triggered in your mind or maybe one day they'll be quickened to your remembrance because God wants to bless everybody that's in this house. This is a blessed house. And there's a lot of churches you could go to where they'll tell you God wants you to be poor and broke and that's how he wants things. That This is not one of them. This is a blessed house. In fact, today during prayers, I was over here, the Lord said, this is a blessed house. Speak a blessing over this house. So what I want everybody in here, you say, I want the blessing. And I don't know if anybody, why anybody wouldn't want the blessing. If you want the blessing, I want you to just lift your hands right there where you are. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Father, today, I just speak a blessing over every person here. I speak the blessing of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob over this house, over every member of this church. Lord, this isn't a church made up of a building. It's a church made up of people who you desire to bless. And today, Lord, I, help, I pray that they would understand they are in in covenant with you that you are a covenant God and that according to Galatians 3 you took the curse on you so that we could be blessed and as the seed of Abraham we are blessed going in and coming out and Lord we're going to be faithful to tithe the first 10 percent to this house where that there would be bread in this house just as you said in Malachi 3 so that you could open up the windows of heaven but then Lord on top of that we're going to sow as you lead us we're going to sow as you lead us we're going to sow as you lead us when we sow it's going to grow and it's going to become and it's going to become a mighty harvest so that we can sow into the harvest 
and we thank you for it, Lord. I just thank you, Lord, that you are renewing our minds so that we would walk in divine prosperity. I rebuke every spirit of religion that would say we need to be poor, we need to be broke. And Lord, we know there has been abuses in the body of Christ. There have been people who have abused these things, but we're not gonna back up from the blessing just because somebody used it in a wrong way. We're gonna use it in the right way for your glory, and we're gonna be blessed. I thank you, Lord, that you're raising up people of means, of resources, with businesses. I thank you, Lord, you're raising up millionaires in this house. I thank you, Lord, you're raising up people who can write one check and take care of a large need. And Lord, we just thank you for what you are doing today. We give you glory and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Hunter, would you just come and direct them? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I say this next part. Would y'all slap up on the screen? Uh, again, go back to the announcements, the ways to give. I want to say this. Most of you know this, but if you're new to Encounter Church, maybe you don't know that we do not operate, our church does not operate on 100% of what comes in. We give away at least 10% of all income of, 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 our tithes, of our tithes every single month to other ministers, to missionaries, to people in need. And most of the time, we give away more than 10%. And I know that's why we are a blessed church, right? So I want to encourage you guys, continue to be generous because you're generous. We're able to be generous uh, in, in the Great Commission. You guys, we are blessed so that we can be a blessing, right? Amen. So those are the ways to give. I encourage you to be generous today. And Pastor Joel, I want you to just come right here. Just stand right there. This is why. <laughs> this is why I preach on the stage. <laughs> Who's ready for a mighty word of the Lord today? <laughs> Holy Spirit, thank you for the word you've put in Pastor Joel for us. Thank you that it comes in time. Thank you that it activates us to be multipliers of your kingdom. Lord, we pray to receive your word under the anointing of your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Come on, let us have it, Pastor Joe. Hallelujah. All right, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 8 today? Matthew chapter 8. And before I get started preaching, normally I do this first, but because we had that little, uh, I didn't do this. I am so happy to have my bride with me today, Miss Amy Hope Stockstill. Would you just stand up and wave at everybody and see this gift of God the Lord's given me? And uh, if you weren't here yesterday, she ministered and it was amazing. In fact... I went first and then she went and after she got done, I thought I shouldn't have spoken. She should have just had the whole time because she was on fire. And if you were here, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, I am so blessed that she is with me this weekend and uh, just thankful for all the Lord, all the amazing things that he's done for me. The most, the best is what he gave me in her. I'm thankful for her. <laughs> Okay, uh, Matthew chapter eight, and we're gonna we're gonna get into this in just a moment. Let let me let me start, and I know I've been up here for a few minutes because we wanted to do that. But let, let me just start by saying what an honor it is to be connected with Encounter Church, and when it for Amy and I to be connected to a church is a little bit different than most people because we're connected to a number of churches, but God just uses us to serve pastors and leaders and just encouraging them, coaching them, speaking into their life, believing in them, providing a place for them to go when they need ministry. And all of these things are just such a blessing in our lives. And I, I, I tell Amy this all the time, my favorite time of the week is on Thursdays when I get to be with Pastor Hunter and two other pastors. I believe uh, Pastor David Perez and Pastor Antoine from Arise Church, who was just here 
a little while ago. Okay, so the, the four of us, the Lord has just put us together in relationship, and every week we get together and uh, just fellowship and have a time of discipleship. And I know that these men are encouraged by our call, but I think I'm more encouraged by our call than they are. And just getting to hear every week what God is doing here at Encounter Church and to hear what God is doing in Pastor Hunter, Pastor Liz, and the team and watching as the team is growing and getting to see how many people are being raised up and released as disciples and disciple makers. And because we all need to be disciples, but, but it doesn't stop there. The Lord wants us to make disciples. He said, go into the, all the world and make disciples. And he could have said, go into all the world and be disciples, but he didn't. He said, go and make, but you can't make until you are a disciple. And so there's, there's a whole process there, but I get to hear about what God is doing here. And it just thrills my heart to hear about what God's doing, but then to get to come and to see what God is doing firsthand and to be in the worship with you. You guys are worshipers, man. Woo. I mean, such an anointing here and y'all are greatly blessed to have pastors like you have who love you they walk in purity and integrity and they just they're always telling me so many things you, you got to hear about this one you got to hear about that one and just to be here and see what God is doing is it just thrills my heart so what a blessing to be here with you today and I feel like part of the family even though I'm not here a whole lot but I'm kind of in the loop so in some ways, we're walking together. Uh, Matthew chapter 8, and I, I want to just set the stage here. Jesus just preached the greatest message that's ever been preached. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. And it is the greatest message that's ever been preached. So he just got done preaching that in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. But here's the thing about God. God doesn't just say stuff. He does stuff. Let that sink in for a minute. Paul, Paul said to the Thessalonians, he said in 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, that's a tongue twister. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 5, he said, I didn't come in word only, but also in power, in demonstration of power. So when God said, let there be light, he didn't just say it. He wasn't just practicing. When he said it, there was light. And Jesus didn't, Jesus wasn't like Buddha or Confucius or any number of self-help gurus. He, he didn't just give us some deep thoughts, you know, deep thoughts by JC. It wasn't, it, 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 it wasn't that. He, he, he gave us these things and then he said, now, anointed by the Holy Spirit, just like any of us can be. You got to understand when, when Jesus came to earth, he gave up his divinity. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit, just like us, but anointed by the Holy Spirit. He said, what I just said, I'm going to prove. What I just said, I didn't just say it. And I didn't just say it in a way that rhymed and was tweetable. Come on now. I'm going to demonstrate it. And so three things happened immediately after that that I'm going to highlight. And I'm calling this message moving into the supernatural because the enemy wants to keep you in the natural. See, when, when, when people are skeptical and critical about giving, it's because they don't understand the supernatural. Because when we, we talk about tithing and giving, that's a supernatural thing. You say, you mean the Bible says 30, 60, and 100 fold? That don't even make sense. No, it doesn't make sense because it's supernatural. And you only receive it by faith. Because only with faith can you please God. But Jesus, he moves us from the natural into the supernatural. And because you can teach things and it, and it have a natural understanding, but when the power of God starts moving, it becomes supernatural. Now, let's start here in verse 2. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. If you will, 
You can. I want you to see that word can. You can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will think about it. No, no. Nor did he, you know, he could have said, he said, you know, you've been battling this leprosy, but I've been teaching you some things. And you haven't really learned all the lessons yet. So maybe in a year or two, you'll be ready to be healed. But you're not ready yet. Come back in a year and I'll heal you. No, he said, I will. Well, that's a powerful word right there. I will. It is my will that you be healed. It is my will. So... What I want to try to do today is, is pull us out of some of the things that have held us in the natural and release us into the supernatural. And, and the first one here I'm going to give you is you have to, to move into the supernatural, you have to move beyond he can to he will. Everybody knows God can. If he spoke and the universe came into existence, of course he can. But the devil tells you, but that's not for you. Or it's not the right time. Or it's not the right place. Or the Lord's trying to humble you right now. Or, or he's teaching you a lesson and, and you're not ready yet for the miracle. And, and you can't ever be in faith until you know that it's God's will. See, he can is not faith. He will is faith. And he only responds to faith. And this leper, he came to Jesus. And he said, Lord, you know, I know, if you want to, I know you can. And Jesus said, let me dispel this. And he, he thought enough of it to put it in here so you and I could be reading it and talking about it here 2,000 years later. Jesus answered this whole, if it be thy will thing, says, it is my will. Be healed. Be healed. We will never move into the supernatural until we move past he can and get into he will. You know, F.F. Bosworth wrote probably the greatest book on divine healing that's ever been written. It's called Christ the Healer. And if you need healing in your body or you know someone, have a relative or a friend, I want to encourage you, get that book and read it and let faith get in your heart for them. But in that book, he says that, that faith, let me, let me read this to you because I want, I want to get it perfect. He said, faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Now, he can is not knowing. And you could, you could ask somebody on the street, hey, do you think God can heal somebody? And, and, and they, they will probably say, yeah, if he wanted to. But see, that's, that doesn't move us into the supernatural. That doesn't release the miraculous. Let's talk, about, let's talk about something different than physical healing. Let's talk about finances, what we were talking about a minute ago. And say, hey, do you believe that God can bless you? Oh, yeah, I believe that he can. But when you move into he will bless me, that's when you begin to move into faith. And that's when you begin to see results. That's when you begin to move out of the natural into the supernatural. Because he can is a natural thing. You say, hey, if he's God, then he ought to be able to do it. That's just logical. But that's natural thinking. But when you say, when you lay hold of it by your spirit and you say, you know what? I know it's his will. By his stripes, I was healed. It's not a question of does the Lord want to heal me or not. No, it is his will. And I don't care what the symptoms say. I don't care what the doctors say. I know what his will is and I'm not going to relent until I receive what was promised to me. You know, we learn a lot about how to walk by faith from children. Jesus said you got to have faith like a child. Part of the problem is we done got grown up and moved off into the natural and left behind the supernatural. 
But you know how a kid is? When, when a kid wants a Christmas present, the fact that they want it shows that they believe that their parents can provide it. They don't know the financial situation. They don't know what debt. They don't know what their parents' credit score is. They don't know any of that. When I was a kid, I, I remember one year I wanted a microscope. I wanted to look at stuff. I wanted to be able to take an ant and smush it and put it under there and look at that little booger. I wanted a microscope. I, I didn't sit around and say, well, you know, based on my parents' credit score, and the, 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 the monthly mortgage that they're under and our cost per day for food, because there was a lot of us, there was six kids, so it was a high cost per day. I didn't understand or I didn't think about that one time. I just wanted a microscope. And, and I didn't run around reveling in the fact that my parents could. I wanted to lay hold of that thing. And I remember at Christmas, boy, when I got that thing, I was so excited and, and ended up the most, the thing I loved about it the most, one of the, one of the uh, cameras or the, the microscope things was so powerful, you could, if you put a thin sheet of glass under it, it would shatter it. And I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. I just ended up shattering a bunch of glass. As a, I had me an a, a expensive microscopic glass shatterer. <laughs> But we cannot get stuck in the realm of he can. And it can feel so spiritual to say, you know, God can do anything. That doesn't mean anything. Acknowledging that he can might feel real spiritual, but it's really not. Of course he can. He's God. He, cre he said, let there be light. And there was light. He, he separated the waters from the, from the land. He did all these things. He's God. Of course he can. But he can is not faith. He will is faith. And you can only know his will from his word. That's why you got to get in this book. Now let's move on to the second one. Let's look here. Verse 7 and verse 8. He said to the centurion that came to him. Now we're, now we're, we're moving a few verses down. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. Only say the word. Now we move to something different. And that is, if we're going to move into the supernatural, we have to move beyond his touch to his word. Beyond his touch to his word. Jesus said, hey, I'll come lay hands on him. He'll be healed. And the centurion said, Lord, I don't need you to do that. All I need you to do is send the word. All I need you to do is send the word. And Jesus marveled and said, I hadn't seen faith like this anywhere in Israel. Why? Because he realized that the word had the ability to do the same thing as the touch. Now, one of the things that I think has happened in a lot of streams that are similar in, in the charismatic Pentecostal circles where we love altar calls, altar times, all that stuff, is we've become dependent on a touch and we haven't understood how to tap into a word. And if you remember the, the man, he was waiting around the pool. Have any of you seen the Chosen series? If you hadn't seen The Chosen, you need to go watch it. But, but one of the episodes, they do the man who was by the pool of Bethesda. And, and, and he's waiting there for the troubling of the water. And you remember the Bible story that there was a pool. And, and, and once a year, an angel would come down and trouble the water. And whoever got in the water first would be healed. And there had been a man. He had been laying there year after year. And, and whenever that troubling would happen, somebody would get in the water before him. And they would be healed. And he would miss out on it. Until Jesus showed up one day. And Jesus said, rise up, take your bed and walk. And the man was completely healed. Why? He was waiting on the troubling of the water and it never worked out. But when he heard the word, faith came and he was healed. 
And in the same way, the centurion said, Lord, I don't need you to come to my house. Or let's put it in this context. I don't need an altar call or somebody to call me out and lay hands on me. I've got the word and I can begin to speak the word. And the word is where the power is. The word is where the power is. If we're going to move past the natural into the supernatural, we've got to quit waiting on a touch and we've got to look to the word. The Bible says in Psalm 107, he sent his word and he healed them. Didn't say he sent his man to lay hands on. It said he sent his word and he healed them. Now, there's no doubt God uses men. We lay hands on people. And the Bible says if somebody's sick, call for the elders of the church. They'll lay hands. That's good. But you know what? There are some times where there is nobody around to lay hands on you. In fact, there are times where there's nobody around to even talk to you. In the midnight hour when your soul is going through the valley of the shadow of death and there's nobody to talk to, you need the word in that time. You can't wait. Sometimes you can't wait on Sunday morning to come. You can't wait on prayer meeting. You can't wait on leadership training. You can't wait on an altar call. You need the word of God. And if you want to move into the supernatural, you have to come to the place where you rely on the word over anybody's touch. This is something I've had to learn in my life. Because I grew up, you know, if you needed a healing, well, you needed to go wherever the healing evangelist was. If you needed God to do whatever it was God, you needed God to do, you needed to find somebody who had that anointing, whatever. But, but the Lord had to teach me, you don't need that. You've got my word. Get my word inside of you. Begin to speak my word. And that leads me to the third thing. And we see that down here in verse 13. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done to you. As you have believed. He didn't say, go and let it be done to you because I'm the son of God and I said so. He said, let it be done to you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Now, we have in the gospels 19 major miracles that were documented. 19. Some of them are repeated. Uh, and there could have been... The Bible said all the books in the world couldn't contain all the miracles. But the Holy Spirit chose to put 19 in there. And at least 10, you, you'll like this, Kwame. And at least 10 of the 19 miracles, Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. He didn't say according to my power, be it done unto you. He didn't say as the son of God, I'm proving who I am by doing miracles so that everybody will know I'm the son of God. So I'm going to do this miracle right now. He didn't say that. He could have said that, but he didn't. He said, according to your word, uh, to your faith, be it done unto you. Ten out of the 19 miracles. So that's over half the way I do math. I don't know. It might not be half. Well, you do math. No, 10 out of 19 times, according to your faith. Now, that, that gives us our third one here, and, and I want you to write this down. If we're going to move into the supernatural, we have to move beyond he can to he will. We have to move beyond his touch to his word, and we have to move beyond his sovereignty to your confession. See, his, the first one we said, we're going to, we're, we're, we're going to move past he can to he will. That had to do with him. He will. The second one, we said, we're, we're going to move past these. <laughs> we're going to move past needing the touch into his word. But that's his word. But now we get to where the rubber really hits the road because we move past his sovereignty to your confession. Now it comes down to something. Now it's in your head. Now I've got to use my mouth to agree with his word. I've got to use my mouth to agree with his word. You know, God watches over his word to perform it. He watches over his word to perform it. There's nothing more powerful than his word in your mouth. I'm going to say that again. There's nothing more powerful than his word in your mouth. 
I, I want to read. I, I, I want to read a verse to you real quick. I'm gonna. I, I feel that Hebrews chapter three. This this verse has been messing me up for a while. Hebrews chapter three and verse one. Let's see here. I'm almost there. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1, you can write this down and, and look at it later. It says, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in the heavenly calling. How many in here share in the heavenly calling? We, we... Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of of our confession. Consider Jesus the apostle and the high priest of what? Mm, mm, mm. I want you to just, just let that sit there for just a second. He's the apostle and the high priest of my confession. Jesus, in fact, let, let, let's just say it with me. Say Jesus, Jesus. is the apostle and the high priest of my confession. Now, now I know it, sometimes it's harder to receive it ourselves, but it, it gets easier when we get to point at somebody and say it to them. I, I want you to point at somebody. Get that, get that finger out. Get that one that, you know, when you get, get that finger, point at somebody and say, Jesus is the apostle and high priest of your, of your, of your confession. So what happens when your confession contradicts the word? Is, is he going to be the apostle and high priest of your confession when your confession contradicts his word? Remember, he watches over his word to perform it. Well, he doesn't watch over your word to perform it. He watches over his word to perform it. And so when your words line up with his words, he watches over it to perform it. And this is, this, man, this has been a journey for me. So you could say out of your mouth, 1 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes, I'm healed. But then when you call somebody and say, I'm just feeling so bad today. Well, what is that? That's a confession. Well, well, that doesn't really count because I was just like, no, 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 no. It counts. And so many times, we are confessing things that are contradictory to the word of God. We're saying the opposite of what God said, and therefore we're not giving the Lord Jesus anything to work with. There's nothing to work with. Our confession is not something that he can watch over. So what do we got to do? We got to back up and consider Jesus. When you're sick, consider Jesus the healer. When, when, you're, when you're facing poverty and lack, consider Jesus the provider. When you're facing confusion in your relationship, consider Jesus the prince of peace. Whatever it is that you need, consider Jesus as the answer and begin to make your confession something that he can work with. Because I realized that I wasn't giving him anything to work with. Because I was just saying whatever I felt. And that could be a whole message right there. We're not going to get off into that. But, you know, it's become such a popular doctrine in the church today. The sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. He does whatever he wants. And if it happens, it's because he wanted it to happen. If it didn't happen, it's because he didn't want it to happen. And everything is sovereign. And all we can do is just accept his sovereignty. But see, that's how you just live a natural life. 
You'll never see a miracle. You'll never see divine intervention. You'll never release the blessing of God. You'll never receive miracles. And that's why the same people who all they teach is sovereignty, they say miracles cease. They say nobody can speak in tongues anymore. That died with the apostles. I'm still waiting to see what verse in the New Testament says that. But they don't come up with that. And they've got all these things that say, hey, your Christianity is a natural Christianity. Don't expect any miracles. Don't expect to speak in tongues. Don't expect the gifts of the Spirit. Don't expect healings. Don't expect deliverance. Don't expect anything because this is all a natural thing. So the best you can do is just learn you some doctrine and be happy that you know some doctrine. I'm telling you right now, I'm not satisfied with knowing doctrine. If the early church would have been running around propagating doctrine, they would have died out real quick. No, the church was based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the ultimate miracle. The power of God is alive and real. And maybe you say, man, this is, this is confusing me because I've heard, listen, you might have to stop listening to some of these people you've been listening to on YouTube who don't believe in the power of God. They don't believe in the miraculous. You are never going to get a healing listening to somebody who's telling you that healing is not for today. They know what happened in the book of Acts. Just go to Acts chapter 3. The man at the gate, beautiful. He had been there begging for alms, and he was healed, and the whole city was turned upside. So they know what happened then. They say, when the last apostle died, the healings lifted from the earth. Yeah, what, what, what verse is that? Where, where does the New Testament say that? It doesn't. I want to live a supernatural life. I want to walk in the supernatural. I want to live in the supernatural. If I need a healing in my body, I don't want to think, well, you know, if God wants to do it, he'll do it. No, he already did it. I receive it by faith. I walk it out. I'm not going to sit around wondering if he can. Oh, you know, God can do whatever he wants. No, I'm done with that. He will do what he said he was going to do. And religion says, well, that's mighty presumptuous of you to think that you can tell God what to do. No, I'm not telling God what to do. God already told me what he's going to do. I'm just reminding him. But you see, people can twist words and make things sound right. And the, the whole point the devil has is to get you out of faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, you'll just live a natural life. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, if there's no resurrection from the dead, if Jesus wasn't raised, if there's no supernatural power, we're the most miserable of all people. What are we doing here on a Sunday morning? We could have slept late. We could be at brunch. We could be at a, a game. We, we could be anywhere. What, what are we doing if we don't serve a miracle-working God? What are we doing if we're living a natural life? This Christian walk is not a natural thing. This is not Toastmaster Club. This is not a social club. This is not, I don't have anything to do or I don't know anybody, so I'm going to go over here and meet some people. This is a supernatural walk, and the supernatural aspect of what God has called us to do only works when we walk by faith. I want to encourage you, get, get in this chapter, Matthew chapter 8, get in this chapter and, and study this out and, and see these different dimensions and see where you're at. Because some of you, you realize today, man, I've been right there. I, I believe that God can, but I haven't moved past he can into he will. Whatever it is that you need in your life, if it's in this book, he will. Let's move past it. Move past his touch to his word. Move past needing somebody to do this or to say that or to this altar call or that. And thank God for those things. But at some point, you're going to have to grow up in God and get a hold of the word and begin to speak the word out of your mouth and see mountains removed and cast into the sea. And at some point, we got to move past the sovereignty of God and into his desire to take what we confess from his word and do something miraculous. 
there is always going to be a part of your human mind that gravitates away from faith. We, we don't naturally move towards the supernatural. We naturally move towards the natural. It just happens. It's like gravity. When you jump out of a plane, there's not sometimes where you go up and sometimes you go down. You go down every time. And every day when you wake up, the devil tries to move you towards the natural, away from the supernatural. And you got to rise up and say, uh-uh, I'm moving into the supernatural. I'm going to see miracles. God's going to do supernatural things in my life. Things are going to happen around me that nobody, including me, can explain other than to know. I believe God. I confess with my mouth. I believe with my heart. And I received it by faith. This is what's burning in my heart right now. I have a burden to see God's people lay hold once again of the supernatural. We're, we're not as those who have no hope. We're not as those who are just doing things the way the world does them. We have a supernatural God. And this is, these are just some things that help us to, to make that shift and to see where maybe we can grow and move more into the supernatural. I want you to bow your heads with me. I'm going to ask RJ to come and just begin to play. Because you know what? The first step of moving into the supernatural is to be born again. Yep. You, can't, you, you don't qualify for the supernatural until you're born again. You can't handle it. You don't even know what it is. And the greatest miracle of all is when you're born again. To be born again means to put away the old you. And to be reborn in Christ, to be crucified with Christ, to be buried with Christ, to be resurrected with Christ in newness of life. Before we go any further in this service, and you guys have been amazing. Thank you for being so attentive and welcoming today. But I don't want to move any further without giving an opportunity there's someone here, a young man, a young lady. You might be an older man, an older lady. I don't, I don't care who you are, what age you are, what you've done, your past. Today, God's saying you must be born again. Nicodemus in John 3, he was, he was one of the most revered teachers of the Jewish law. And yet, he wasn't saved. He wasn't born again. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, you got to be born again, man. You got to be born again. And I know today was not a salvation message, so to speak, but that doesn't matter. The word has gone forth, and I believe it has fallen on good ground. Today is going to produce a harvest of faith. But for you, faith may mean coming out of darkness into light, it may mean giving up the old you in order to embrace the new you in Christ. We're not talking about turning over a new leaf. We're not talking about the, the things that the world tries to describe or conjure up. We're talking about a supernatural work of God orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. If that's you, you're in here. You say, Joel, today I need to give my heart to the Lord Jesus. I, I need to move out of this natural life where I'm just striving under my own power to do everything. And, and I need to surrender to Jesus and let him come in and take over and become Lord of my life. If that's you, you're in here today and you realize today's my day. I need to give my life to Jesus. Wherever you are in here as Christians are just praying, but I just want you to do something just bold. I want you to just lift your hand up and say, Joel, pray for me today. I'm, that's me. That's me. Okay. All the way in the back. I see you there. I see you right there. Two people has said, oh, so anyone else? Is there anyone else here? You say, that's me. I need to move out of darkness into light today. I, I need to take a step and move into the supernatural. Okay? Now, I, I want to do something. I, I'm going to ask everybody just to reverently stand with me. And I'm going to ask, there were two people who lifted their hand. There may have been more that didn't, but you wish you would have. If we could just move this out of the way, Pastor Hunter. 
I want those of you who lifted your hand, I want you to just make your way up here. I want to pray over you. Or if you didn't lift your hand but you wanted to, just make your way up here because the Bible says faith without works is dead. Just put a little action to it. And I want you to just make your way up here. I want to pray for you. And he said, I, I don't know if I can do it. That's right. Here comes this precious one. Just come and stand right here and face me. It's facing me. That's right. That's right. Is there anyone else? There may be more here. I'm going to wait. But you may say, I, I can't do that. But Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father, which is in heaven. He wasn't ashamed when he hung naked on a cross. The least we could do, this is a room full of people who love you. Is this someone else? Okay, come on, just come right here. Another precious one. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I want to ask those of you who come here, just, just do something. And, and everyone in the congregation do this too. Just put your hand over your heart because the work of salvation begins in the heart. Are you here as well? Did you come up? Yeah, just step right here. This is amazing. This is amazing. Thank you, Lord. God is doing something here. Just put your hands over your heart. And I, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Now, this prayer is not some magic formula that I memorized at Bible college. This is just a prayer of faith. This is just out of our heart. I'm just guiding you, helping you to give words to what's happening in your heart. And everybody's going to say it with you because we love you and support you. Just say out of your mouth. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to the cross. I recognize today that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And Jesus, you are that Savior. You are the one who qualified to take my place. You gave your life. You shed your blood that I might be saved. You took the curse so that I could be blessed. You paid the price so I could have life. So today, Lord Jesus, I come to the cross and I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. And I take up my own cross and follow after you from this day forward. I am yours and you are mine. Thank you, Jesus, for taking my place. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now the Lord is working. I just sense the hand of the Lord on you, my sister. The Lord's going to do a, a, an awesome, awesome work in your life. He's going to heal things inside of you, hurts from your past. He's going to just give you a whole new life, a whole new family, people that are going to come around you. Today is just the beginning. Now, let me say this. Today is not, this isn't fire insurance. This is, oh, yeah, when I prayed a prayer. No, no, no. This is the beginning of a journey with God, a day-in, day-out walk. I know we use the word saved a lot of times. I've been saved. But technically, you're not saved until you leave this earth and you enter into heaven and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That, 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 then you're saved. You're on your way, though. You're headed down the narrow path. Thank you, Jesus. This precious one came today. The Lord is moving. Did you... Did you come together, the two of you? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I'm proud of you for coming up here today. What, what's your name, my man? Leon? Father, I just thank you for Leon. I thank you today is the beginning of something special. Lord, I thank you. You've got such amazing plans and purposes for Leon. I rebuke every negative word spoken over him. And Lord, I just thank you that the love of God is wrapping him up today. That he's going to know the love of you, his heavenly father. 
a real father, father that'll never disappoint, never let down. And Lord, I just speak a blessing over Leon today. I thank you that you're working in his life, Lord. I pray you'd use him for your glory. I thank you that you saved him today and he's gonna walk with you the rest of his life. We thank you for that. We thank you for that. And I wanna pray over this couple that's come. Father, I just thank you for this couple. I thank you today they've come, they've given their hearts to you and their whole family, their heritage, their children and their children's children. As that song, The Blessing, sings from Numbers chapter six, their children and their children are gonna be changed because of what happened August 8th, 2021. Should you, Terry, 50, 100 years from now, this is gonna be a defining day for their legacy. I thank you for it, Lord. Begin to work in their lives. Put couples around them that can help them walk this walk out, Lord. Let them have wisdom. Begin to draw them closer in their marriage as they begin to serve you and put you in the middle of their marriage. You are the one who causes marriages to be amazing. It's a triangle with you in the middle, Lord. You heal the hurts. You give wisdom. You teach us how to be husbands and wives, to love each other. And Lord, I just thank you that there is a blessing coming on them today as they begin to follow you, Lord. We thank you for it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Lord, we just thank you for it today. We thank you for it today. Now, I want to do something real quickly before I turn it over to Pastor Hunter and then we let everybody go. I believe many of you today, the word was stirring in you and faith was stirring in you. And you realize some areas where you're like, I need to move into the supernatural. I want to pray over everyone here. You say, I want to move in the supernatural. I want you to just lift your hand because God's moving encounter church into a greater dimension of the supernatural. And I know everybody here, you're hungry for it. This is a hungry church. You come hungry. Father, I just thank you today for this word moving into the supernatural, that you would continue to move every person from where they are to a new place in you, new heights that they would begin to soar on wings as eagles. I thank you, Lord, that we are no longer going to hang out with he can. We're going to move into he will. I thank you, Lord. We're going to quit waiting on his touch and we're going to begin to speak his word. And I thank you, Lord, we're not just going, we're not going to sit around and, and put everything on your sovereignty, God. We're going to begin to take control of what's happening with our confession. And we're going to confess your word. And you are the apostle and high priest of our confession. And we're going to give you something to work with. I thank you for it today. Lord, I thank you. We are living supernatural lives. We're not sentenced to the mundane. We are not just living natural lives like everybody else. We are living supernatural lives as followers of Jesus Christ. We thank you for it today. We give you glory. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody just say amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Pastor Joel. How many of you are thankful that God sent us Pastor Joel and Amy today? Well, peace, provision, prosperity, and protection is yours this week in Jesus' name. Have a wonderful week. Remember to give extra big hugs and blessings to Felicia. Thank Pastor Joel and Amy for coming. Congratulate. Mr. Don and Betty, what a special day. Remember your discipleship groups this week. Remember prayer next Sunday morning. Have an amazing week. God bless you. Adios. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.